0: Hello everybody. Welcome back to the Confused Dad podcast. With me, the dad that is confused, and it's been a while since I've made an episode. Because I have wanted to make one and okay, okay, all right. All right. Let me go back and just let me let me not apologize. What I'm going to do is this. I suffer from the sickness which is I kind of get something going and then I kind of move on to something else and something else and something else and something else all the time. And I don't know, it must be, it's it's got its perks because like the one moment I could be doing something, learning about something, and the next moment, for example, I'm trying to learn how to grow beans in our tiny garden that we have. And um, it's been interesting. But then I also go on other tangents. So today it's this, tomorrow it's that. And I don't know, I want to... I don't I don't want to fall victim to that strength because sometimes it's also a weakness insofar as being able to just challenge myself and stay with something to see how it develops. So no, I've not forgotten, not at all. There's also been another reality shift, which is I've gotten into a kind of rhythm with regards to now being in this new working world that isn't the nine to five, or in my case, what was the nine to seven or eight or nine, or forever. Um, Being a teacher, working in education, sees you basically working from sunup to sundown and in your dreams and in your sleep, and that's changed for me because I'm no longer in that framework where time is so carefully calibrated, where at 10 o'clock you have a snack, at 11.30 you have this, at 12 you have that, and I must say, slowly, slowly it's come uh, to my attention, that having a little bit of a framework is helpful to the human mind. I think it is helpful to the human mind. I'm not, I don't like overly segmented days where it's to the five minute interval that I know, okay, it's a bathroom break at 11.25. Um, and at the same time, I think I'm not, I think I like to know what's coming in a broad sense. So this whole idea of scheduling, and it's funny to me that when you go online or you just look around, this idea of time management, scheduling and productivity, particularly with regards to how people segment their time and how they plan and color code, you know those people, you know them, you know them, they color code everything, they have very smartly laid out little files and folders and booklets and books and schedulers and planners and diaries and tabs, colorful tabs where they know what's priority and not and their systems and color pens and various styles of writing to dictate certain ways of doing things and when to do them and they just have it all together. They just have it all together and I kind of start the year buying a new diary using it for three months and then sort of leaving it at the bottom of a backpack and I've used it more I kind of set myself a goal It said, okay, I'm going to use this diary for at least six months. And I ended up doing fairly well. But when you lose your daily routines on such a huge scale, in my case, um, breaking free or moving outside of a very routine-based working life, then it becomes a little more challenging. Thank goodness I have a wife that has got uh, some sense of time and order when it comes to that. She's worked very hard on it. I'm not terrible. I'm really not terrible at all. Um, but I've always struggled to find a system. And that's the thing for me, this systemified uh, reality. All systems seem to be packaged and sold to us as solutions for our own inner fears and inadequacies. So let me let me expand on that. So. You rate yourself uh, bad at time management and then you Google it and the first things that come up are these paid for adverts that talk about scheduling software or scheduling applications or ways to make your life more productive and simpler through a system that can mechanize, that can automate, reminding you certain things should be done, allowing you to organize things and I think there's merit in that but at the same time, ah, by, sh- by 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 focusing on the system, I kind of find myself not thinking about what is actually important, what is actually priority. It's funny that. So yes, I can color code things. Yes, I can move them around. Yes, it looks all nice and it's all planned and it's all there. And you feel like, okay, because I have a visual representation of what I need to do. And I'm not saying this in the extreme sense. I'm really, again, In the world we live in today, it seems like you have to have this sort of polar belief structure where you're either for something or against something. You hate Donald Trump, you love Donald Trump. You hate hip-hop music, you love hip-hop music. You like Xbox, you hate PlayStation, whatever, whatever it is. There's this polarity. I'm not, whatever I say, and let it be said now so you know Whatever I say is open to interpretation and open to my own sense of change and evolution. So what I believed yesterday, I don't believe today. I don't. And there's a certain structure of uh, I'm not too sure which science or where it falls under. Maybe it's psychology a sense of and i'll find out more information about this it was fascinating that the person you are yesterday is literally not the same person you are today that there are changes on a very cellular level i mean cells die and and um and come back together you're not you're not the same being so to hold yourself ransom to that and i'm now going on a complete tangent but please know that anything i say i will probably have evolved from even by the time you heard this, I might, have, I might have already started digesting and thinking and moving on from here, but I've always found that the systems allow for me to feel a false sense that I'm in connection or contact with what is actually important, what's actually priority. It's probably a lot less than the massive color-coded list that I made. There's probably only two, maybe three things that absolutely critically have to be done, that have a time frame, you know, paying your taxes, getting fuel at the at the petrol station so you don't get stuck somewhere, ta- going to the dentist, um, you know, things that if you don't do them, it's going to cause an overarchingly bad life situation. And the majority of things that And I'm talking from my own experience here that we or I keep myself sort of occupied with when it was working in the working world was kind of everything gets lobbed into this priority pool. And you just sort of grab bits of it whenever you can. And um, some days I could go grabbing, you know, 20 or 30 or 40 things that I was doing, feeling very good about myself or or at least uh, superficially because it always kept resetting. Tomorrow was more of the same bits. It didn't feel like I was having a, a meal as such. I wasn't feeling satisfied. And I can only say that now in retrospect. I couldn't say it at the time. At the time, everything felt equally important, and I had to get it all done, and I would sacrifice whatever I could because the thing is, I saw my sacrifice as a way to prove to myself that I was good enough for my family. And maybe this is something which you can relate to. Sacrificing myself, my energy, my focus, going outward and pushing into the world. And I'm not saying don't be successful, don't aim for success. Not at all. What I'm saying is I used that. um, That became a kind of yardstick for my love, for my family. That was the way for me to kind of prove it. and. I don't know anymore, now that I'm outside of it, I I feel more love and connected with the people that I care about than I did when I was sort of being productive and proving it. Because when that went away, when my work, the way that it was structured, when my identity as a teacher, as a principal, dissolved, I realized what was left wasn't that It was still that I cared deeply for my wife and child. It didn't take that away from me. What went away is the fact that I felt like I could add value to their lives by being as productive as possible at work, as busy as possible, or as efficient as possible. And those words that efficiency, sacrifice, drive, push, uh, grit, whatever you want to call it, all of those things that lob into that kind of I've got to get up and do it, which Again, I'm not saying that that is a bad thing, but it masked for me the fact that I I was doing it for the people that I cared about and that they exist outside of that. They're not wrapped up in it. I thought that they were. I thought that there was this massive, some sort of connection between me as a man, a productive, strong, stallion-esque man, uh, the caveman in me saying that I've got to go out, you know, and bring back some of the bacon, because <laughs> as a teacher, I wasn't earning enough of the bacon to be the sole provider of bacon, which I'm very, very grateful for. Because I think, um, I think as a as a human being, when you're you are financially responsible for your entire family, I I humbly I humbly have to sort of kneel down in front of you and say I I don't know if I could deal with that level of pressure. It is. It's something so intense. I, I don't know how you're able to digest it. And I'd love to know from you how you manage, how do you personally manage the stress of being the sole provider for people. So luckily, I wasn't a sole provider. But in my mind, oh, yes, I was the mammoth-slaying, saber-toothed tiger-killing, mean, 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 mean if, if, you know, this big, strong kind of caveman guy would have to prove it by taking punishment, by being out in the sun and being burnt to a crisp, and coming home and yeah, I did it. I did my work for the day, and I love you because of it. And ah, when that's gone, you realise that the love exists outside of it, outside of it. That your your relationship doesn't hinge on the fact you as as a man. And I'm I'm sort of thinking about this now more that there are these differences within men and and women about this. Um, again, if you're a woman listening, please get back to me. Let me know if you agree with a statement or not. But that is that men place a very high degree of value on their work. And I'm not saying women don't, but they, their identity is wrapped in so tightly. Their value to their loved ones is wrapped up so tightly in that. And for women, and perhaps this is biological, that when a woman is pregnant, she's carrying a child, she gives birth, her body is able to feed this child, and the man is sort of a bystander to this. And I found myself upon the birth of my son. I just found myself going like, "What the heck? What value can I provide? Um, not just financial, but I'm really here to service and serve my family. That's what I can do. Because I sure as heck can't feed the baby using my own body. I can't grow this child in my own body. So all I can do is prove that I am a good enough. I am. I am valuable enough to my family by. Grinding myself into the ground um, I now see it as that At the time it just felt like I was doing what was necessary which I, which I was I was But contrast How do we build contrast into our lives When our lives are comfortable Or when our lives are comfortable uh, Physically, perhaps Financially, perhaps But uncomfortable emotionally We would much, much rather Or I did I would much rather be in a state of uncomfortability um, emotionally than deal with the underlying truth. That's, I think that goes for most human beings. We just do. We would rather just be very, very uncomfortable and stuck in some kind of limbo than open up the door to what is potentially further growth, but unfortunately will require some form of suffering, pain. Yes, towards a greater goal, but gosh, no one likes to. No one likes to feel that. No one likes to go, hmm, I need to investigate my own thought processes, which is going to be painful for ultimately having a better way of seeing the world that will aid me further, that will be more beneficial to my life. And we don't like doing it because it feels. it's not as nice as sitting on the couch watching television. It's just not as nice. And in my case, it's not as nice as working and working and working and working and working and creating new structures for me to pour more of my time and energy and thoughts into and more and more and more. Because, secretly, I knew that if I stopped, then those feelings which were unresolved, those states of being which I rather would not be uh, seen with in my own mind, those are not friends I'd like to be seen around with, My thoughts, my feelings, I could keep them at bay by keeping myself on a treadmill, a pattern. That's what we do. That's why I say routine. Routine is an interesting one. I like to know what's coming next, but I don't want to know what every little detail, what is coming next, and every possible little aspect. Then there is little autonomy. And at the same time, with absolute, absolute, absolute autonomy also comes. Uh, There's a sense of feeling abandoned, of feeling lost. And I can use this example of myself now teaching online for a Chinese-based language company. Where I'm also doing some marketing work for them, so I I work through their their marketing release schedules and design content for them, Instagram posts and Twitter uh, f- put put their Twitter posts up there and and that kind of stuff, Facebook posts. And the person who is essentially my superior, they have little uh, little to know ability to engage with their superiors so their boss the person who actually needs to be giving us as a marketing team uh, feedback they can't communicate with because that's not done it's just sort of that's not the culture of the company you don't you don't ask questions, you don't engage, you don't have differences of opinion with your superiors. So there's this ultimate sense of, for myself and for, for her and for other members of the marketing team, there's this sense of complete freedom. Whatever we want to put out, whenever we want to put it out, however, wherever, whatever, we can do that. But there's something lacking in that we feel isolated and insular. So we have to create this little island of happiness for ourselves, the marketing island of joy. However, it makes sense that we we have a desire to want to know what other islands think. What do they feel about our work in relation to what we're doing? Because we're trying to do it for a bigger purpose. We're trying to make a business succeed, and we need feedback. There's this sense of uh, being isolated. Yes, autonomy, and and I would rather have, I would rather have ultimate autonomy, infinite autonomy than being completely micromanaged. That that I can't stomach. I'm not a fan of being told when to do something, exactly how to do it. And then when I've done it to what I believe is the way that has been described, people taking offense or having an, a, a real sense of entitlement to tell me that <laughs> that it wasn't good enough somehow, even though they were not clear in their communication to begin with. I don't know. I, I'm just like, yeah, Here's here, I want the fence painted green. Okay, I've painted the entire fence. It's taken me the entire day. Oh, that shade of green. Right. No, no. What I was meaning was two shades lighter. It's like, really? Then you need to be involved. You also need to pick up the damn paintbrush. Come and see how the painting is going at least. And that is something I'm learning is is how I may not want approval. You may not want approval. You don't want people to clap hands for you, jump up and down and do backflips because you have delivered such a great product. Maybe you do. Maybe you maybe you do want that acknowledgement. I think a lot of people do. Just, just to be patted on the back, um, you know, uh, literally or figuratively, and saying, cool, well done, that was great. But more so, I think people just want the feedback. They want to engage. And the longer you leave it, the more impossible it becomes. So eventually you are actually complete strangers to one another and you actually can't communicate, which is fascinating because I've experienced that where the relationship, in a workplace at least, deteriorates because of your inability to find um, common and non-violent means of seeing yourselves. And when I say by non-violent, I mean if you loathe yourself or hate yourself or think you are the worst thing ever and the other person does too, then that's a very bad, I've always just had that where I have worked with people and I say this about myself too, that the work on self was actually more critical than the work of the business. It should have been focused on developing people's understanding of themselves, their own needs and how to communicate those things which would ultimately lead to a business succeeding because it has a connected sense. It's almost the collective sense of self. That doesn't mean that the workplace has to listen to every little problem that you have. You stubbed your toe this morning, your child is measles. It doesn't have to go into that kind of, and I'm sure you know the types of people, they arrive at work and it's like, oh, you'll never believe this morning, you know, electricity was off and I had to have cold coffee and then I couldn't have a shower because the dog jumped up and bit off the shower, you know, handled and broke it and the pipe exploded. It's like, okay, okay, there's a limit. uh and I heard something interesting, and that is, if people around you, especially friends, if people around you, when you share with them your joys or sorrows, and they try to sort of one-up you, so if it's, uh, yeah, this morning I had a little bumper bashing, and I'm okay, yeah, no, 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 you know, I got hit by a 12-ton, you know, 18-wheel truck that um, completely cut my car in half, or if you're ecstatic, and you go, you know, I got a good review on the following thing, oh, yes, no, I also got five of those last week, it's like, mm, And there's subtle things like that. Um, We're very, very, very afraid to be less than the next. And when someone is more or has more or seems to have been more successful in certain areas of their lives, then we downplay that. Um, Being genuinely happy means that you have to be able to be vulnerable with yourself and get to know what your own needs are. I think one of the problems is that Uh, the glamorization of a specific style of life in uh, a social media perspective so you're seeing somebody live a certain high life so to speak it doesn't take into account what it took for them to get there or what their past was like what drove them to be so viciously viciously blindly productive doesn't show you that. Instead, you just sort of see, okay, you're on a private plane wearing a Rolex with a bag of money at your feet, eating caviar. Great! I can't be that. Therefore, I suck. The point is that that's also just a framework. And so many of of those kinds of um, simplified, and I call them simplified because there are so many people who are doing exactly that, who are creating that kind of image or persona. There are many personas. Uh, maybe they are a finite number in, in, in the human, human world Maybe we'll be able to map all of them Like oh, you're a type B7932 Maybe all the little permutations of our minds Will one day be able to be sort of mapped together And we'll accept that we are just mammals And we are just products of all kinds of chemical Biological, um, environmental and, and who knows what else Energy, right? All together so you have this very simpl- simplified framework of what life and success and joy and sadness and all of this stuff is. but ultimately allowing yourself to feel and become vulnerable will will create a certain level of nuance, a certain level of gray and also many shades, please excuse this this reference. many shades of gray. oh man, I've walked into that one that was Many shades uh, within life there isn't just a specific version of joy and happy and sadness there are these little flavors with various elements and edges and hues and textures and they change and they evolve and if you can say to yourself yes okay Life is about that constant ebb and flow. And and I wouldn't even call it ebb and flow because ebb and flow insinuates there's an up and a down. And if you're a surfer, you want it to be, you know, high tide. And if you if you're someone who likes to explore the beach, you want it to be low tide. So it just that analogy doesn't work for me. This ebb and flow, it means like sort of on and off. It's not like that. It's it's um it's much more fluid. It's much more hard to hold in your hands. It's kind of like a weird gelatinous jelly that moves as you move but you're kind of forced to move and sometimes you're shook and sometimes you're bumped and sometimes you're trying to stand still and it's just there it's just there it's not you the goal is not to try and hold the jelly really it's not that's not the goal the reality is you're born with it in your hands so there you go um some drop some of it drop some people eat it off the floor i don't know if this analogy makes any sense this metaphor jelly (laughs) i don't know anymore i think maybe i've lost everyone but it's like trying to control something which is not supposed to be controlled it's really not it is just what it is and it's your experience thereof and your mind interprets you interpret through various things whether it's uh, mechanisms of defense uh, your, se- your your defense mechanisms help you cope with all of those inputs and what i've realized is some of my defense mechanisms coming back to the original point i've seeked out order in the form of scheduling applications and little notebooks and I buy man I buy like three to four little notebooks a a month and I tell myself okay I'm gonna have a notebook for every single sort of project or idea in my mind and I'll keep track of that and it's like okay well eventually all the notebooks just get blended into one and then they finally find themselves at the bottom of my bag and then I throw them out a year later it's like yeah that happens so the fact that success can be the fact that there are frameworks that say, if I can color code and organize my life in a certain way, I am successful is a problem for me. It creates unnecessary stress where I immediately feel like a bad, horrible uh, person who cannot achieve instead of saying, okay, what are my priorities? What, have, what do I have to get done? And know those. The rest are nice to haves, but let me get the, let me get the real core done here and um, take it from there there may be better ways for my way of working where i can feel um, the, the the idea that's been running through my mind over the last few weeks has been i need to treat myself with the same level of acceptance respect scope um, and possibility as i do my own son as i do children and have done in teaching where i don't immediately write them off and you know Gosh, that toddler was trying to walk and they fell over. God, they'll never be able to walk properly. Their whole lives are going to be ruined. Everyone's going to laugh at them. They're never going to amount to anything because they can barely walk at 14 and 15 months. You know, I have so much time and energy and capacity to allow for those people to grow, for allow for children to grow. But when it comes to myself, hell no. When it comes to myself, it's like, whatever, you piece of crap, you should have... You should have grown and evolved. You should have had this together. What's wrong with you? And I would never, I would never talk that way to anyone else. I just, it just doesn't, I always give everyone the deepest level of, of respect for their, or I try to at least, for their journey. Like everyone's doing the best they can with what they have. Damn. Yeah, sometimes you need a little kick in the pants and that's helpful, but everyone's trying to do the best they can. Humans have always done that. If you're a parent, you'll understand that. You're always trying to do your best. You're always trying to work with what you have in the best possible way. You're always trying to protect. You're always trying to give. You're always trying to take uh, the bad for yourself and give your child the best possible experience of life um, by whatever your standards of of best and, and good are. But when it comes to yourself, then you're not so forgiving and so loving and so kind. You don't treat that inner child. And this is something I'll talk about in the next few episodes. It's this idea of your inner child. And no, before you roll your eyes, oh, inner child, my God, is that people still talk about that? Yes, very much so. Because every adult I've ever dealt with in a school capacity where they are speaking about their children, where we're talking about challenges in their families or challenges within raising children or fears that they may have when it comes to kids, People are quick to, they can't hold on to their little mask and their little, their little um, version of themselves for too long. When you talk about something they really care about or fears that they may have, then you quickly realize that there's nothing else outside of that child that exists for each of us. When you're sitting across the table, as I did, from a father who's going through a divorce and a, a very difficult one, and they have multiple children, and there's a million things running through their heads. And they're a highly successful CEO of a company. And they have to go on many business trips outside of the country internationally all the time. And they have all the trappings of success. The Land Rover, the big house. And they're going through a divorce. What you see sitting in front of you is no longer that man. That man who who commands power, respect, financial uh, freedom. Not that they were financially free in fact, the opposite. But what you see is a little boy, a little boy who is afraid, who is afraid of losing things that are valuable to him, that is afraid of being rejected, that believes that they are not good enough. That's what you see, and that's what you have to deal with. The same thing happens in therapy, the same thing. Therapists that work with people on a daily basis will probably tell you that that's what you're seeing pretty much all the time. You don't have to be talking about, you don't have to be talking about uh, their childhood, um, but you're dealing with their childhood all the time. So yeah, I am very much back, and um, I'm hoping to share more of my thoughts with you in the coming few. Days uh, that have been rummaging around in my head. I've had some interesting realizations and awarenesses and appreciations for things now that I'm living outside of a framework that I have for such a long time. So I'm very excited to be feeling like I can do this again and I hope that you will be able to give me some feedback As to to what I've spoken about today, um, I'd love to hear from you with regards to, to some of the ideas. If anything sparked for you, if anything came up for you, if there's anything in your mind you want to share, I would love to hear from you. So until then, this is The Confused Dad, and I will most definitely be talking to you soon. Goodbye, everyone, and have a great, great day.